Hello and welcome to Listen to These Nerds. Uh, today we have an interview with the uh, the lead organizer for the fan favorite, the Masks uh, fanzine, uh, Linda. Um, Linda. Hi. Okay, so Linda, what uh, is your background with role-playing games? How did you get into it? Where's the... Uh, and more specifically, uh, how did you get into Masks? So I have only been doing role-playing games, I think, since college, which I guess is a big chunk of time at this point. Uh, whoops. I'm an old, everybody. I'm aged. Um, I think I've been doing uh, role-playing games for possibly 10 years, probably about eight. And I got into Masks not when Kickstarter happened, but I think about a couple years later, I found it when I was exploring other Powered by the Apocalypse games. And I'm a huge comic book nerd, and I love superheroes, and I may or may not have fan fiction out there about Captain America. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> so it was just like a really, a really great fit for me and my interest in like my friends and the stories and the characters that I wanted to explore. I guess that's a lot of people's interest is that uh, crossover between RPGs and, uh, and superheroes. I'm yeah. I'm not a comics guy myself, but mm-hmm. I just love the genre of the, uh, the superhero character. So I, I mean, it, it's a, it's a really great like system for, for telling, especially the teen hero stories which I don't think there's really been a, a really good game to focus on before that. I agree. I think that the strength of Masks is that it is so finely tuned and like finely keyed into the teenage part of Teenage Superheroes. It just does a really great job with like the harm mechanic it employs and the way it uses influence with adult superheroes. I It just was just a great system, and I really loved that it involved emotions just as much as actions and much more so than like the actual superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very different from a lot of the, the more traditional crunchier superhero systems. Your are uh, the masterminds and uh, oh, what's that one that requires a calculator? Uh, uh, the Marvel, is it the Marvel one or is that Muse of masterminds? Uh, I, I know that Mutants and Masterminds did do a Marvel thing. I know that they there was also uh, one based on the Codex system that was uh, that they did for Firefly. Um, but there, were, I'm thinking, huh. uh, it's somewhere in the back of my brain. I know way too much about superhero systems. Oh boy! But editor's note: the system I was trying to think of was Champions. Moving forward, uh, so you. Really had this connection with masks. Uh, so, how did you get in, kind of into the community? Because it's uh, not just the the system; it's the community that kind of like spawned this zine, right? Yeah, I think I'm not quite sure how I found the Discord server. It might have been on Reddit, or it might have been like in a tweet or something. Um, but the Discord community is where I really found a solid base of fans that were actively creating new content for masks and actively playing masks and, and generating like fan art and uh, new playbooks. And there was just a huge outpouring of creativity from this sort of random group of people. And it was really inspiring. And that random group of people now have a zine and are being published, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh 
it's really great to to have the the community come together, especially given the uh, the fact that we're losing one of our big community spaces really soon with the the shutdown of uh, Google Plus. Yeah, that's a huge shame. There's like like you said, the role playing community has really coalesced around this social media platform because it really allows you to share content in a very clear way and like set it up in a forum, but also a chat room. It wasn't obviously like the layout wasn't great and like the UI wasn't stellar, but it did the job and it really encouraged a community that um, flourished outside of Reddit and wasn't necessarily super into like creating a Facebook group. So uh, yeah, the fact that G G plus Google plus is leaving it is like a huge bummer. And I hope that everyone listening has backed up their content. Um, You can download your content, um, all of it that you've, ever posted to google plus so there's a way to do it um i encourage you to save the work that you've done Mm -hmm. also if you are at all a community creator uh, i i would suggest cross posting wherever you can maybe go on the discord and throw up anything into there so that uh, the fan base can still access all that great great work so um aside from just uh, creating a a place for for all these fan works to congregate. Uh, what else went into the creation of this zine? So we did a lot of laying the groundwork for the zine. I think I started posting about it in the Discord server and in Google Plus back in October, I think. And I went to PAX Unplugged in November, uh, November start of December, and I talked to and I ran a couple games there which went great it was really fun um shout out to my team they while they were while I was there I got to uh chat with uh Brandon and Mark Diaz and they were really encouraging and they were really supportive and they told me like you know if you want to do this like we'll help you out like we can give you stuff to donate um or we can donate stuff for you to to auction off via kickstarter and we can help you out like other ways too. So the fact that they were so uh, positive about it and really encouraging was kind of the the jumping off point. Um, it was really the catalyst. I was like, all right, you know, I got to put my put my time where my mouth is, and um, I just started, you know, asking people if they would be willing to donate stuff to the zine and like what they wanted to see from a zine and if they knew what a zine was. <laughs> I had I had some people on the server, bless their hearts, they're they're young babies and I love them. But they were like, "What's a scene?" I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no." But yeah, so everything just um, grew from there. And then you know, uh, Kickstarter had the zine quest thing, and that that kicked it all off in October when I was first percolating this idea, and it just all came together really well. Um, luckily, planning, execution, and a little bit of luck really really worked out all right uh can you explain to our listeners who might not be as familiar what the zine quest is totally so zine quest is a kickstarter initiative where they are highlighting projects that are specifically about role-playing games in a zine format uh, a zine format for those of you who are who might not know is just like a diy a saddle stitched booklet and these zines um, have occurred in many different forms over the years. Uh, 
a lot of them in the like 60s and 70s and 80s were RPG zines where it was just like this booklet and one color and it was adventures and dungeon crawls and characters and it was for like D&D and Pathfinder and like the other big one of the time which I don't remember but there were also zines for fandom so like um there were Star Trek scenes and one of them got so popular that Gene Roddenberry actually like brought it into the writer's group the writer's like table and was like this is required reading and everyone needs to read it and he threw down like a, the first copy of the Spacchanalia and <laughs> made made all the writers read it so zines have a really long history of influencing creators and obviously creators have a long history of influencing fans and zine quest seeks to elevate that um, connection in a really cool way and it it helps uplift uh DIY indie creators who are creating their own role-playing games and, you know, creating fanzines and also like getting together uh, interviews and content with people in the industry. So it's just a really cool initiative to bring back this kind of old school DIY fan work. Very cool. All right. So I think we've talked uh, enough about uh, where it came from. What in the zine, would you like to highlight for our listeners? So there's a lot of really, really cool things in the zine, including fiction and articles and one-shot modules. But I think one of the really cool things that I love is we have a page of adventure seeds. So you would roll 2d6, and if you got like a 1 and a 5, the adventure is like a vampire strikes downtown. But you could choose 5 and a 1, and like a living moon comes crashing into Halcyon City. And it's just little, little like uh, ways that you can get started in your campaign. And it's really cool and easy to use. And uh, the guy who donated it is a, a member of our Discord who has run a lot of cool games using his own seeds. So, yeah, it's it's just like cool little supplements that like that that are that I really love. Um, yeah, another good one is uh, like there are a couple modules, like one shot modules in this book. One of the ones that's really fun is Homecoming. So it's it's like a game all about, you know, your teenage superheroes getting a date for Homecoming and like the punch is spiked and there are some custom moves and the author actually included a playlist of like old school 90s and like early 2000s songs. So yeah, you can like set up a playlist for this for this game. It includes stuff like Twisted Shout by the Beatles, Sweet Dreams of the Eurythmics, and How to Save a Life by the Fray. So that's some flashbacks for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was uh, doing a, my brief skim through the uh, uh, through the zine, that one definitely caught my eye. It's something I probably am going to pull out for uh, for my own campaign. So uh, listeners uh, may, in fact, hear this uh, adventure play out with the ragtag teens at some point. That'd be great. That'd be really cool. Another another cool thing that we got for the zine is we actually got people to write articles about their experience uh, with masks and running masks. So we have an article about the history of superhero role-playing games, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, we have an article about a young young man who ran masks for teenagers at his local library. So like what, what that experience was having an open table for like 12 to 17 year olds to come and play mass every week. 
Um, and then there's also a article about what it is like to GM for a group that has upwards of 20 players. That sounds insane. I I think I at most I've tried 12 players and that was already just uh, a mess. So I cannot imagine 20 players. Oof. Yeah, I think that basically there's like three or four GMs and they're 20 players, but they all play in like the same extended universe. And I think that they maintain their own wiki to keep up with everything. But I'm just like, what is happening? So it's really like, it's a fascinating article. It's really wild. And then there's like a picture at the end. Um, one of the players is an artist and they drew Big Team. It's just the name of the team is Big Team. And I love it. Wow. That's uh, especially given the number of of available playbooks that's got to be a very interesting uh group especially if you've got people crossing over and you end up with i don't know uh you know two legacies or two uh proteges just from different parts of this huge group just showing up together totally that's... i can can you imagine like three delinquents getting together to try to <laughs> <save> the check <laughs> it would be great they would like devolve it would devolve so fast Mm-hmm. They'd be villains by the end of the session. No, that that's what happens when you get a uh, three delinquents and a reformed in the same party. Oh my god, <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, there's no hope for you. There's none. Mm-hmm. Give up as a GM. Just like give up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all great, and I think something that I hope people will enjoy because I specifically wanted to include it. Um, is the creative writing that people gave of of characters and the the games that they've played. So there's like short fiction stories in the zine. And I just hope people um, take the time to read it and appreciate that like there are other people out there who are creating stories that are just as important as the stories we are creating. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So uh, for those stories, do you know if those are uh, things that uh, people have done about their their own masks characters, or if these are just inspired by the themes of masks. I am not one hundred percent sure. That's a good question, and you will have to ask the authors. I would suspect that these are based on characters that these authors have played, um, but don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, if if you wanted to ask any of the authors about any of their creative writing. Um, all of the authors have like a social handle in the zine so you can at them or like add them on discord or bother them in their inbox so mm-hmm. they, they've agreed to this it's in their contract mm-hmm. suckers okay so we've talked about the uh the fiction and the and the modules and the general uh i'm not sure how to qualify that uh the the random table uh but uh what uh, what about the the art for the scene? Did you find there was a a struggle to get art, or did were there lots of artists coming out to submit their art to be seen? So it was it was not necessarily a struggle to get artists. I wish I could have included more, um, but I think I again I over I under I underestimated the amount of space that the written content would take up 
so I wasn't able to include as much fan art as I would have wanted. Um, but the fan art we got was really great and people were really good about working within the boundaries of you can only use this one color, which is like a dark blue and shades of it going down to white. Um, so the artists that we got, I'm really, really pleased with and I'm very proud to have them in the zine. Uh, I didn't find it too hard, but I definitely made sure to cultivate those relationships first. And like emailing them directly and being like, hi, I want something super specific from you. Do you want to like hang out and draw for me? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the thing, the, the biggest, the biggest issue that I saw with the artists is that I could only tell them like what I was doing. And I sort of gave them free reign to do anything that they wanted with the caveat that it be in this one color. Um, and I couldn't really help them out really at all with the... Uh, written content I can edit it and I can format it and I can help create visual interests as well as the narrative interests that the author already provided but with fan art I really can't do that so I just sort of had to like pray that me being interested in other people's art was enough to like inspire people uh, t- to draw mm-hmm so uh, in the copy I've got, the there's still some art-to-be-placed assets. Are you still waiting on some art from artists, or is that just you haven't got, found the right cut for it yet? So with a couple of those, um, I have to tell one of the artists that they need to do it in one color because I forgot to tell them. Whoops. feel real bad about that. Uh but the other ones, I think that I'm probably going to be commissioning or be like put out another call for artists. Um, I'm not waiting on any. I just realized that like I had an empty space there. and Wouldn't it be cool if we got more art? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm going to try and find, um, you know, just a, another artist, other artists in the fandom who are willing to draw and be a part of the weird zine that we've made. Yeah. All right. I, I think I've been... Uh humble and patient enough can we talk about yes. the uh the playbooks we can so um i know uh quite a bit about one playbook the enduring it might be because i wrote it but um you did mm-hmm. no <laughs> really <laughs> what a surprise mm-hmm. um so generally, uh, when I was, maybe this is, just shows my thinking, being one of the two like playbook authors in the zine, but I was expecting a lot of uh, playbooks to be submitted. Did you think that you were going to get more playbooks? or? So a lot of the playbooks that um, were offered, I looked over and I wanted different things from the playbooks than the author wanted, and I didn't want to alter their vision to suit what I wanted. So I just decided to ask them to do something else. Um, but there were, like, we did have, like, I think three or four additional playbooks that had already been offered to us to, to like, publish. Um, but I, I had also seen those playbooks floating around, and I wanted to try and get some unique content for the, blo- for the zine, um, aside from content that I had already seen uh, in the Discord or on Google+. So that was that. It's also like, I'm not, I will be the first to admit that I'm not a hundred percent pleased with the way that the playbooks are formatted and I'm going to try and tweak it a little bit more and like make it better. But the problem is that we 
just don't have the space to give a, like a full back and front page like the playbooks the, the playbooks do now like they have one full page and then you turn over and it's another full page and we just didn't have the space for that so finding a way to condense all that into two pages was a little bit of a struggle and I didn't want to have that much density of content because I felt like we needed the the zine and the information in it to breathe a little bit better so there were a couple of reasons but we did get um we did get more playbooks than than are in the zine so all right so um out there uh would this be a an okay time to mention that the that myself and uh, Joey, the other uh, another member of Listen to These Nerds, are planning to kind of reformat the Enduring into a more traditional playbook structure. Is it okay to say that here? Totally, yeah. I think it's a great idea. Um, I think it's fantastic. And honestly, like I've had people ask, you know, um, will there be more playbooks than just the two that I listed? I, you list because I only listed the Enduring and the Ascendant on the Kickstarter page. And I did have people, you know, reach out and be like, are there going to be more playbooks? So if we, I I think like for, if we can possibly, if we can get it together, uh, it might be cool to have like an extended PDF of like more playbooks to offer as like a stretch goal. Um, That's again, just like spinning that right off the dome. Um, (laughs) So, so don't, don't hold me to that, please. (laughs) I'm one person. Uh, But it would be cool, yeah. And I think that having that um, as an additional PDF download is excellent. Like, such a good idea. All right, world exclusive. Heard it here first. <laughs> Linda is 100% totally going to uh, get this out to our backers on, on Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> here we go. This is how it started. I mentioned it to one person, and the w- one person was like, do it. And I'm just like, shit. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. So, um, so from the sounds of it, since you did uh, pare it down a little bit, um, what in particular uh, spoke to you about the um, the enduring and the ascendant? So, I uh, I think the reason I'll start with um. Let's start with the enduring because I think that's a bit of an easier one for me to talk about. Uh, it just seemed like a, such a solid character idea—the idea that you had powers and now you don't, but you're still a hero. Um, and I think that that kind of um, sets you up for a lot of teenage angst and a lot of drama and a lot of conflict. But it also is just a very clear and direct character to explore. And there are other there are other characters that have gone through that in comic books. So it's easy to have those parallels and that inspiration. Um, I think that like almost every single superhero you can think of has it like, I'm suddenly depowered arc, you know, Um, think about the arc where like Superman's blood was like infected with kryptonite and he couldn't do anything. He was like a normal human anyway. So there's a lot of reasons why I really liked the enduring. Um, But I think the fact that it was very approachable was really, really key in that way. Yeah, uh, definitely. The uh, if I if I can talk about my my own work for a couple seconds, absolutely. Uh, the the origin of the enduring actually, uh, I was 
originally working on it before, like literally started maybe a week before you started posting about the zine was because uh, in a different masks game that I don't post online uh, because I'm a crazy person and I run 2.5 masks games at the same time. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> Continue. Uh, one of my players uh, basically went through this big event. Uh, he was playing the doomed and his character at the end, beat his doom, lost his powers, and then we were going to, you know, pick up a new season, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of people retired their characters, or, uh, but he decided to keep on with the same character, but wanted to change playbooks, and his only real option was the beacon, which didn't really feel right. A lot of the beacon's moves are about proving themselves, and about saying, hey, I'm new to this. I don't have any experience. I don't, there's not a reason for me to be here. And Mm -hmm. it didn't really feel right for his character because his character was, no, I've been here. I've, I've done this. I used to be able to do what you do, but now I can't, but I, I'm still here. And I wanted to kind of make a playbook for him that better fit his character. And, uh, as happenstance, uh, the zine just kind of came out right at that same time when I, I was starting to work on that. So that's that's kind of where that whole idea came from, was just seeing this kind of hole in the like character archetypes of there's nowhere for a character who loses their powers at the end of a season to kind of go to for a new archetype. Yeah, and I think that you bring up a really good point with the advancement of a character. I can see this the enduring working really really well for someone like the transformed you know like once they finally figure out how they're not how to like revert back to their human self like maybe they they go to the enduring playbook you know um same thing with the bull like once they figure out what created them and how to like uncreate themselves the enduring sounds like again a really great way to like move beyond their playbook so yeah Mm -hmm. i think it's it's very applicable and it's a really good a really good plot tool for when people reach that stage in the advancement and that stage in like the playing where they want to like create a different drive for their character. So yeah, I, again, like I really liked how applicable this one was. Right. You did a good job, dude. <laughs> Thanks. Nice. So uh, to talk about a, a playbook I didn't write, uh, what, what about the Ascendant uh, really spoke to you as a, uh, playbook you you wanted in the zine so the ascendant is kind of a bizarre playbook which is why i liked it a lot <laughs> i was just like this one's weird i like it um so that's why I, that's the main reason i chose it but the fact is that it's a really cool idea this it's sort of based in um outsider and a little bit royalty and a little bit legacy and and it just combines a lot of things that Um, I love to hate about those certain characters. Like you would generally see an example of the Ascendant as a villain in a lot of these stories. Like, uh, do you know Raven's sister's name from Teen Titans? I don't remember. doesn't matter. But like Raven's sister in Teen Titans would be like an Ascendant who just feels they are like more powerful and better, but they get beat up anyway. (laughs) And they have to learn how to be humble. 
Um, so it's it's kind of like that, which I really enjoyed the idea that like you would very commonly see this playbook as a villain, but you have to play it like a hero. Um, I think you could make the argument that like Nebula, um, Gamora's sister, uh, could be an ascendant, you know, who feels like they were destined for better and they got treated badly and now they have to like prove to everyone that they are as good as they think they are. Anyway, so there's, again, a lot of potential there for drama and strife and teenage angst. So I, I went for that route. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds very interesting, very different from a lot of the uh, other semi-villainous uh, backstories. The, um, oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, there's the Reform, the Delinquent, mm-hmm. and uh, the Scion are all the ones yeah. that I usually think of when I'm like, I want a character who, you know, has this kind of villainous connection. But- yeah, Totally. And I think, sorry, one more, one more example for an ascendant would be Aisha from Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of the person who thinks like they're royal and they're better than everyone else, but they still get like beat up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, definitely like a different take on the could be a villain, but thinks they're a hero. I think we've talked about a little bit of everything from the zine. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight? Uh, to the listeners or anything you think the uh, we've missed in our discussion so far? I think we've covered a lot of the content in the zine. I Okay, so the only thing that I want to tell our listeners, and your listeners specifically, since I'm pretty sure most of the people who are going to listen are yours, um, <laughs> that we are uh, making every effort we can to pay people for their creative writing. Um, and their creative artwork and just their creativity in general. And I think that that is something um, that I really was really important to me once Mark, Mark was, Mark was like, are you going to pay people? And I'm just like, it's just fan content. And he was like, you should pay people. And I'm like, shit, I should pay people. Of course I should pay people. What am I thinking? Um, So yeah, I just sort of want everyone to know that we need to, show respect for the people who spend time and effort and like really work at this craft whatever their craft may be i think that um rpgs are unfortunately very easy to pirate and steal and just like download offline um and i think that i just really wanted to try and tell people who were contributing to the zine that like I value them and I value their creativity and I value the work they're doing. And also like, here's $10. Like it's not a lot, but I really, it was very important to me once it was like stuck in my head. It was like, Oh shit. Of course. Like why, why did I ever think I should take stuff for free? So yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest part of the, the, what we haven't spoken about is the fact that we are paying all of our contributors for all of their work and we are like just establishing again that people's art people deserve to be paid for art um and that's that's that i i really appreciate that as somebody who is going to be paid for their art uh you will uh, mm-hmm. uh and uh all of you listeners can uh help make sure i get paid for my my art if you go and uh back the kickstarter uh we're only a couple hundred <laughs> dollars away from me uh getting even more money for my art yeah a whole 20 dollars mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I it's just um I think that there's a lot of value in in sort of the fandom banding together to say like we want more and we're willing to pay for it. And I think that that's important for people who are doing something like you're doing, which is a, you're doing a podcast, like you are producing fan content for free. Um and I think stuff like that, the labors of love are really important, but I also think that there's got to be at some point um, a way to to capitalize on that and in a way that is not exploitive and very much based in appreciation rather than obligation. It's It's really hard to make it in the creative industry, you know, like it's just difficult. And I think that in doing small things like this, it shows that there are still people out there willing to pay for art and specifically fan content, which I think is often undervalued or dismissed. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I'm going to stop trying to add to this point because clearly I have nothing better to say than what you've already said. So <laughs> um, I guess if that's everything, um, other than uh, running the Kickstarter, where can uh, folks find you online? Uh, I think probably the easiest way is on Twitter. I am at underscore L-I-N-F-I-N-N. Um, yeah, so Twitter is the best way to find me, and you can find me on there um, live tweeting whatever show I'm watching and also complaining about capitalism and whatever random creative project I'm working on. Um, but yeah, Twitter is probably the best. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on uh, uh, and talking about the zine and letting me uh, talk about the thing I made uh, for a little bit in the middle of your interview. So, No, it's totally rad. I'm very excited about the thing that you made for the thing that I'm making. <laughs> All gets together. All and, right. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for the interview, and I'm really excited. Yeah, go back the zine. Do it. Mm-hmm. Go back to the zine. Pay creators. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Remember, if you back the zine and listen to this, you're making Linda more obligated to make all those playbooks for you. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's true. That's a fact. Yikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Mm-hmm.